Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. So this is a very interesting part of this week's Parsha, which is called Parshat Shoftim, which means the Parsha of Judges. And one of the things that happens in this Parsha is that we get the appointment of a king. That as soon as Moshe, you know, part of Moshe's kind of farewell speech or song or um, or midrash, as Rabbi Klickfeld drashed on a few weeks ago, that part of what we are getting here is the next piece of... Um, let me get my glasses. The next piece of leadership, right? And so what we get in Parshat Shoftim is that there is going to be a king that is going to come into power over the people so that they can have a leader. Because if Moshe is going to die and not enter into the land with them, well, there should be somebody who can lead over them. And if we look into the documentary hypothesis of if God didn't write the Torah and people did, verse, uh, based on, based on that, it seems that Deuteronomy probably would have been written then around the time that kings were, were quite popular, let's say. Kings were, were the type of leadership that you would put into power as opposed to using the word, you know, president or, uh, lay leader or, you know, whatever, whatever other word we might now say, it doesn't just have to be a king that assumes responsibility and leadership. So we're not going to talk so much about the appointment, but we are going to talk about this very interesting verse that comes in the middle of the discussion of the king coming into power and how the king comes into power, but also what the king brings with him to be in power. There's something very interesting about when you assume the throne, what is it that you should have with you to be a good king? Right? Some people might say you should have good advisor. Well, actually, let me ask you. This can be a moment of, of, uh, of participation. What do you think a king would need to be a good ruler over a people? You can just yell it out. You don't have to raise your hand. Wisdom and understanding of the people. A jester, but in all seriousness, right? The, the in all seriousness, huh? That's funny. Um, that you, because there's so much serious behavior and and um, law making and and um, there's one word I'm looking for that's not coming to mind. That you to have a jester around would allow you to bring people close. They are not just some big scary guy, but that you also can allow for people to come close in in um, in moments of joy. Anything else? A good treasurer. Good. Yes. <laughs> Taking care of that money. Other things. Leadership skills, he would hope, yeah. Decisiveness. Okay, and if you were to ask a kid, they would probably say a crown, a staff, right? The stuff also that makes you a king. And that's what we're actually going to see here. We're not going to see so much the attributes. We're going to see the stuff. But what I would argue is that the stuff actually leads to the attributes. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14. We're going to read most of this in English, again, just for time's sake and, and because I'm not focusing on a specific Hebrew word. But if you would like to look at the Hebrew, it's always great if you, can, if you have the skills to be able to understand the original. 
If after you have entered the land that Adonai, your God, has assigned to you and taken possession of it and settled in it, you decide, I will set a king over me, as do all the nations around me. It says about me here, but all, Savivotav, Savivotai, excuse me, means around me. You shall be free to set a king over yourself, one chosen by Adonai, your God. Be sure to set as king over yourself one of your own people. You must not set a foreigner over you, one who is not your kinsman. Okay, so it needs to be somebody you know, right? I think Jackie was the one who said somebody who knows the people, right? Can't just be someone outside of the nation. It needs to be one of your kinsmen, it says. And he shall not have many wives. I thought this was very funny. Lest his heart go astray, right? He needs to stay focused, And therefore, he just needs to have one wife who's going to lead him astray. Not many. Nor shall he amass silver and gold to excess. Okay? Nor shall he have a ton of wealth. Right? So we need to keep him in the straight and narrow. He needs to have one wife because one one partnership, and I'm not saying this um, sarcastically, one partnership is already, it's enough, right? Or it should be, God willing, enough. Right, that you get enough from that person, but that it's also, it's work. It's work to be in a relationship. It's work to maintain that. So you'll, you, he should not have many who he's having to work at relationship with. And he shouldn't be overly rich. One of the things that we talk a lot about in terms of rich and poor in Judaism is that you should always be giving, but there is one mitzvah. Does anybody know which mitzvah kind of levels the playing field of rich and poor? Okay, so so the actual process of making sure there's like food or other things for people to have? Burial. Burial. When you bury somebody, it is supposed to be the same kind of burial for a rich person or for a poor, poor, poor person. Okay. This is the verse that I would like to mostly focus on. So Deuteronomy 17, 18 and the one that follows, but mostly this. When the king is seated on his royal throne, he shall have a copy of this teaching. Vehaya, and this is very small, I'm sorry. Vehaya keshivto al kise mamlachto vechatavlo et mishne hatorah hazot. Al sefer melifne hakohanim haleviim. A copy of this teaching, we're going to talk about what is mishne hatorah mean, for him on a scroll by the Levitical priests. So not only should the king have all of these things that you would expect a king to have, but the king should also have what sounds like some kind of Torah by his side at all times. Now, why does it say Mishneh HaTorah? Some of you might know that a very famous rabbi, the Rambam, wrote a, a work called the Mishnah Torah. That's not what they're talking about here, though. That's where the Rambam got it. It's one of the ways that the Rambam got that got that name for his book. The idea of having it be some kind of guidebook, a guidebook that would be beside you at all times to be a good leader, in this case to be a good king. Let it remain with him and let him read it, read in it all his life, so that he may learn to revere Adonai his God, to observe faithfully every word of his teaching as well as these laws. 
So it needs to be with him at all times, but he also needs to crack it open at all times, right? It can't just sit next to him. It can't just be a book that's here and, oh, I have this book next to me and isn't that so lovely? It needs to be a book that you actually have gone into and read and understand. And the reason that I corrected myself in reading, read in it all his life is because not only are you supposed to read it for what it is, but you're supposed to see yourself in it. You're supposed to see yourself in the words, in the Torah, in the laws, in the text. Where am I? How am I that mirror to, mirror has come up quite a bit today. How am I that mirror in what I'm reading in my own Torah? The last line, thus he will not act haughtily toward his fellows or deviate from the instruction, meaning the Torah, to the right or to the left, to the end that he and his descendants may reign long in the midst of Israel. Don't turn it over yet. I heard a lot of rustling of papers. Um, you can turn it, you can turn it over if you want. Uh, but I want to hear before we turn to the commentaries, I want to hear your, your take on this. What does it mean that a king should have the Torah and know the Torah next to him at all times? What are your thoughts? Why Torah? Why not? I don't know. Something else. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, David. Well, the end of the line of response law, mm-hmm. right? And who has that much responsibility um, to have the guidebook that they have something basing their, as a kind of check to their power. Great. So I'm just going to repeat this for the people who are who are on Zoom. David said that the, the kind of the buck stops with this guy, right? So he needs to know what the laws are, but he also needs to be able to show his work, right? He needs to be able to say the law is this way because of what I found in the Torah, because of what I know from my teaching. This is how I can tell you what the law is, what the custom should be. Interestingly enough, Rabbi Klickfeld was teaching his Hilchot Teshuva class yesterday and giving a little bit of background on the Rambam and the Mishnah Torah and whatnot. And he mentioned that the Mishnah Torah is how then the Shulchan Aruch, which is our book of laws, in this, the Shulchan Aruch would be the example of what a rabbi now has next to them at all times, right? A book of laws to help them understand how can I have a computer in front of me on Shabbat and how can there be microphones and how can I walk to shul holding things when I know I'm not supposed to be carrying. All of that is in the Shulchan, well, the computer stuff is not in the Shulchan Aruch, but, but all of the understanding of how you get to making rules about the computer in front of you is in the Shulchan Aruch. And so based on what, what David said, it is interesting to see here that the word Mishneh Torah is both used in this way of understanding the teaching of the Torah and the Chumash that we read today, and also this book of laws that then becomes to us, Mishnah Torah, and then later Shulchan Aruch. Dead. Great. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. So kings tend to be, oh, I don't know, confident, full of themselves, um, have an ego, right? Many leaders do, not just kings. And so to check yourself, to make sure that that which you are deciding as a leader is coming from something, to, to humble yourself before the Torah, before you can say, this is what I'm going to do as a leader. Beautiful. Other thoughts? Yeah, Marshall. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Great. Beautiful. So what Marshall shared, and now you can flip your page because Marshall did a great job uh, bringing us to the, the, a good segue for this, 
is that the Mishnah Torah might not just be a Torah that the king wrote, which is how you said Alana Kershan? Yeah. Um, wrote about in, in the commentary on this week's Parsha, I guess in our bulletin. Is that where you saw it? Oh, oh great. From the CY. Uh, oh, sorry. Yes, from the from the conservative yeshiva, um, and that what she says is that the that the king actually writes his own sefer Torah. That it should be from his perspective, which many people believe what is what Deuteronomy is for Moshe, right? That Moshe wrote this book of Deuteronomy to be his own midrash on his life. So maybe so too, this king is now writing the Torah so that he has. Um, mastery or uh, ownership over that which he's going to use to make his laws. But also, and maybe even more beautifully, that the word Mishneh could mean that the Torah is ever-changing. That it's something that if it's in my hands, it's going to be different than if it's being read by Marshall. It might be the same chapter and verse, but that I understand it differently based on where I am in life, the life that I've had, the experiences I've had, than how Marshall will understand it based on his different circumstances. Okay, so we're going to go through a few of these uh, commentaries on the back here. Not all of them. I can tell you right now we're not going to go over the last one, so if you want to read the last one, you should, uh, you should look at it on your own. Rashi says here, et Mishneh Torah, a Mishneh Torah, literally two scrolls of the law, one that is placed in his treasury and the other that goes out and comes in with him. Rabbi Dov Linzer from Yeshivat Chovavei Torah did a very sweet thing on this, um, on this uh, pasuk, on this verse this week, saying that when he, he runs a, a, a modern Orthodox rabbinical school in New York, and he said that when he speaks to his students, he often says, always have Torah with you. Always have a book with you. Always have an actual Torah with you. Maybe a masechet, a section of Talmud with you. Always have something where you can be studying Torah with you. So that's the going out, right? That when you're on the subway, he said, which we don't really do. When, when you're in the car listening to a podcast, let it be Torah, right? When you're on the subway... Crack open a book that is about Torah so that you're constantly learning Torah. And the other one, he says, that's tucked away in a beautiful place, in a safe. It's the book that you never use, that you use gloves to take out of the compartment because it's so precious to you. And that Torah should be both of those things. It should be something overly used with coffee stains all over it, with grape juice stains from using it on the Shabbos table. And then there should also be a version of Torah that you hold in such high regard that you only take it out at special times. Or maybe you only share it with special people in your life. The Rashbam, who's, who is the, the, um, the grandson, really a group of grandsons probably, of Rashi, says that there's two separate, says about his grandfather that Rashi says there's two uh, separate Torah scrolls. But then Unclus, who's a, a, um, translator of the Torah, derives the word Mishnah as related to the word to translate. Or the word to understand. So one Torah should be the one that you pick up in a shul. That's just given to you the exact words that are there. And then similar to what Marshall said, though Marshall took it one very beautiful step forward, 
It should be a translation. It should be easy for you to understand. It should be your Torah. You should be able to understand what it's saying to you so that then you can go ahead and lead the people. I'm going to say one last thing. I'm happy to take a few comments and then I'll wrap up. So in the Talmud, in Masechet Sanhedrin, I took only part of this. There's, it's a larger Mishnah, but I only took a little piece of it. If you would like to look at it, it's Sanhedrin 21b. And it says, And the king writes himself a Torah scroll for his sake, as stipulated in Deuteronomy, which we just read. When he goes out to war, he brings it out with him. When he comes in from war, he brings it in with him. When he sits in judgment, it is with him. When he reclines to eat, it is opposite him, as it is stated, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. Does anybody have any thoughts on these commentaries? Or now, based on the question that I asked you before about what a king should have, now that we have these different interpretations of what it means for him to have the Torah, does anybody have any comments on on these reflections? Yeah, sorry, I keep coming right back to you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a little bit of a joke, real. I think it's really it's really interesting. Person who dedicated his life to translation translates the word Mishneh as translation, like just yeah. because like he he values yeah. the people being able to access the word. Sure, sure, yeah. And so it's just I don't know. I felt like it was sort of like an ad for buy Onkelos's commentary, understand the Torah. Uh, Very good. Thank you. Oh, that was it. Okay. Um, <laughs> great, beautiful. Uh, any other thoughts? Okay, um, so what I hope you gain from this, because we're not, none of us are kings, and we are, each of us, leaders in different ways in our lives, though potentially not leaders in such a way where we're making rules or laws for groups of people, but what I still wish for each of us is that you find for yourself what it means to have that Torah with you at all times. Again, that might not mean an actual chumash or an actual Tanakh with you at all times, but something that tells the story of your life, something that has meaning, that gives you inspiration, that allows you to feel like the decisions you are making or the teachings you are putting out into the world are coming from somewhere else, and that it's yours. As Marshall brought up earlier, and as we read in the Rashbam, that it's a translation that you understand. That it's not just this thing that other people are telling you is important, but it's something that's really important to you. I'll give you a personal example and then we'll move to Musaf. When I, when I went off to Israel in 2014, my uncle had just passed away and I knew that I wanted to get something in Israel that after my Israel year, I could remember him by, but also remember my Israel year by because my Israel year was extremely important to me and a very uh, pivotal part of rabbinical school. So I decided, and some of you have heard me talk about the ring that I'm actually wearing on my left hand right now. I decided to get a ring that I would wear at all times that has a quote that he wrote, and that I would keep that with me all of the time. But it's not the quote that he wrote exactly, because he wrote it in English, and I had it translated into Hebrew, because I wanted to remember the quote, but it's just for me. It's not for anybody else. I'm happy to tell people about it when they ask me about it. It's not a secret. 
But I'm not trying to show something out to the world. I'm not trying to say, like someone who might be carrying a chumash, this is the Torah that I carry with me everywhere I go to show you how learned I am. It's because it brings me some kind of grounding. The Torah brought the king grounding, brought him a way of being able to know that his history and his people were beside him while making hard decisions. So I hope that each of you have a something or will think about having a something with you at all times that brings you that same grounding, but also allows you to look into your past so that you feel more comfortable pursuing your future. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.